And there are so many people out there today that they're attempting to gain this whole world, but they're attempting to do it without Jesus. And ultimately, their end will be without Christ. And what value is that if Christ is not the end reward? Remember, having this heavenly perspective that death is coming, but also it's a putting to death. So practically, we're to be uh, disciplining, putting to death these traits in our body that are not of the Lord, but of the world, because the, God's wrath is coming. Welcome to the Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. This week we find ourselves in Colossians chapter 3. We've got into the practical section of the book of Colossians. In order to help us to live with this heavenly perspective in the midst of this fallen world, I've broken verses 1 through 11 into three sections, which are seek and set, death and wrath, and put off and put on. This week, I want us to really set our minds on things above. Let's go ahead and look at the context and ask God to bless the teaching. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life was hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, because Of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them, but now you yourself are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his desires and you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we ask that you would be with us now, Lord, as we look into your word. May you bless the teaching of your word to our souls this day. And Lord, Father, we pray on the practical side of things. Help us, Lord, to gain a greater understanding 
And Father, we're to put off the things of this world that we might put on the things of Christ and live with this heavenly perspective in the midst of this fallen world, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. But also he reminds us in verses 5 and through 7 of death and wrath. And so to ensure that we have this proper heavenly perspective, Paul teaches us about death and wrath. In verse 5 he says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, Paul didn't say put to death other members of the body of Christ in the sense of checking everybody out, what they're doing, what they're not doing, being the gossip or condemning other people. He said, put to death your members, meaning those parts of your life that need to just be dead and remain dead. He even lists out a few things for us here, like fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. I like it in the King James Bible. It tells us to mortify the flesh. Mortify just sounds cooler than put to death, doesn't it? Mortify it. I like it. (laughs) Merriam-Webster, in his second definition of the word mortify, he says, to subdue or deaden as the body or bodily appetites, especially by abstinence or self-inflicted pain or discomfort. It reminds me of Paul saying that I, in the King James, he says, I beat my body daily. In the New King James, I think it says, I discipline my body. But he's bringing discipline over his fleshly appetites that he might live as a citizen of heaven. Romans 8, 12, and 13 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so we're to put to death, we're to mortify these areas of our lives that we think, well, Paul has no idea, no clue of what we go through uh, during this day and age. But actually, he's writing about it 2,000 years ago. I think he had a clue. The same stuff we're going through today, they were going through back then as well. And he lists out some of those troubled areas like, fornication. It's pornea in the Greek. It means every unlawful sexual type of sin, fornication. If it's meaning unlawful, not what the U.S. government deeds lawful or not, what God's word deeds lawful or not. Anything that is outside of the Bible, that's fornication. And he says, put that to death, subdue it, mortify it. Uncleanness, It's impurity of thought, either physically or morally, of words and actions. And and Paul's saying to put it to death, to mortify it. Passions, it means to suffer, literally. It's found three times in the New Testament. Each time it's referring to uh, a sensual or sexual passion. This is strong saying this. A strong, unbridled, sensual or sexual passion. Evil desires. It's a longing, but it tells us especially for forbidden things. When we were in Israel, visiting Israel, when there were areas you were not supposed to enter, they used that word forbidden everywhere. We say no trespassing in Israel. It says it is forbidden. It is forbidden. You don't walk in this area. You stay away from this area. And 
We thought it was humorous how they worded it, but these passions, these evil desires, those things that have been forbidden for us, covetousness, which is that of greediness and desiring for more, which Paul says is idolatry, covetousness, which is idolatry. I think all of them could qualify as idolatry. Idolatry itself, he's listed out five things, but idolatry itself is that of putting anything before God. If there is a passion in your life that is above Jesus Christ in your life, then that is idolatry. That is idol worship. You're worshiping something rather than Jesus Christ himself. When we put anything before Jesus in our lives, it is idolatry. In Luke 9, 23 through 25, it says, Then he who said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross daily. I missed the word daily because I was looking up. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever desires to lose his life will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world, but is himself is destroyed or lost? And there are so many people out there today that they're attempting to gain this whole world, but they're attempting to do it without Jesus. And ultimately, their end will be without Christ. And what value is that if Christ is not the end reward? Remember, having this heavenly perspective that death is coming, but also it's a putting to death. So practically, we're to be uh, disciplining, putting to death these traits in our body that are not of the Lord, but of the world, because God's wrath is coming. Verse 6 and 7 says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Paul's saying, this used to be you. That was part of your lifestyle. That's what you were all about, but that's not what you're to be about as a believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, these things, he listed five things out for us there. They're the reason God is bringing wrath upon this world. There's the reason that God is bringing judgment to this world. Romans 1.18 tells us, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, against unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I was cooking breakfast this morning, and the Pope is coming to town. Have you guys heard that? He's coming to Chicago. Anyways, he's coming to town, and in the news piece that they were talking about down in Cuba today, he'll be uh, not in town, Lake Villa, of course, but in the United States, they really pretty much just made this news story about the Catholic Church position on homosexual marriage. That's pretty much what the story was about, which I thought was just bad journalism. You got... What the world would say, one of the greatest religious leaders coming to the United States, which doesn't happen often, put aside where we may stand and who the Pope is, the Catholic Church, all that, our feelings aside, still this is a spiritual leader of the church coming to the United States, and they zero it down to the church and how it needs to change. But specifically, remember, I'm cooking breakfast, so the TV is on. I'm not really paying a lot of attention, but I did hear what so many people say And one person saying, a woman saying that there's a lot in the church that is 
antiquated. It's old-fashioned, and there's a lot of things in Scripture that I don't agree with. Therefore, I choose to ignore those things. I choose to ignore those things, and, and that's what a lot of people do. I had uh, two ladies come into church many years ago, was talking to one of them. The one lady was bringing her friend to church because she needed some help. And I was talking to the young woman afterwards, and she said that she had taken her Bible when she was in high school. I think she was going to a Catholic school at the time. And she blacked out every verse of Scripture that she didn't agree with. And I said, well, then you blacked out the truth of God's Word. And she was talking about how the priest was upset with her doing that. Of course. You're blotting out. But that's what people want to do. They want to make the reader-digest version of the Bible that tweaks their lifestyle without teaching the truth of God's Word. And God's wrath is coming. Paul reminds us that we used to walk in the same disobedience here. He said, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. That's how our life used to be before we found Christ. He said it this way in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. He said, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. We used to be like that, therefore we're not to be that way anymore. Why? Because judgment is coming. And therefore, to have this healthy, heavenly perspective in the midst of this fallen world, we need to remember that we once walked in these things that is bringing God's judgment upon this world. Therefore, we need to kill, to put to death, to mortify. I like that word. Mortify the deeds of this body. And finally, verses 8 through 11, we're to put on and put off. Now, I'll tell you, as I said earlier, the put on section is really picked up in verse 12, but we'll get to that next week. But we're going to look a little bit at the put off here now. Verses 8 and 9. Now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouths. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. The Greek word to put off refers to the, literally to the removal of clothing. It was used in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, when the men who stoned our beloved Stephen, they took off their outer garments and they laid them at the feet of Saul. In the New Testament, it can refer to the taking off of various vices. Ephesians 4.25, it's putting off lying. James 1.21, putting off all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. 1 Peter 2.1, to put off all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. And in Hebrews 12.1, we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So we're to put off all these, and he lists them out for us. He begins with anger. Properly, it means desire. 
Eight times it's found in the New Testament, and it means a violent passion or wrath. Matthew 5.22 tells us, But I say to you that who is ever angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. And so we need to seek the Lord to make sure that our anger is righteous and not of the flesh, not of ourselves. Secondly, we're to put off wrath. It refers to a state of intense anger, a violent outburst, a heated anger. And Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4.31 to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking to be put away from you with all malice. Next in Paul's list is the word malice. And Strong's refers to this as badness, depravity. Vines calls it badness of quality. Peter referred to it in 1 Peter 2, verses 1 and 2, saying, Therefore lay aside all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all the evil speaking. And as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. How do we counter these things that Paul has listed out for us here? Well, it's through the pure milk of the word of God. It changes those desires in our hearts, such as is next in Paul's list, blasphemy. Strong's, again, he refers to this as vilification, especially against God, to defame in speech, and in Matthew 15, 19 through 20, we read, For out of the heart proceeds thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. These things are those things which defile a man. Paul also warns us against filthy language. And once again, we go to Strong's for the definition of this. He simply refers to it as a vile conversation, and it's only found here in the New Testament. Furthermore, Paul warns against lies. He says to speak untruth, to attempt to bring division by falsehood, and James refers to this in chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast, do not lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. So in verses 8 and 9, Paul warns us to put off the old man. In verses 10 and 11, he tells us to put on the new man. Verse 10 says, and we have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Uh, this word to put on, it's in duo in the Greek. It means to sink into a garment, to put on clothes, uh, literally to dress, but we get this idea of 
when it's cold out, you want to get into that nice garment, that nice sweater, that nice blanket. And the idea is that we put on the new man. We put on Christ. In Romans 13, 12, we're told to put on the armor of light. Romans 13, 14, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. In 1 Corinthians 15, 53 and 54, we're to put on incorruption and to put on immortality. Ephesians 6, 11, we're to put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6, 14, we're to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Galatians 3, 27, we are to put on Christ. Colossians 3, 10, we're to put on the new man, which we will look at further in next week's study, where Paul says in verse 12, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. But above all these, verse 14, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So we've put on the new man who is renewed, the present tense verb. It might be translated as who is being renewed. There's a continual action in the sense of this word. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, don't lose hope. Although we can't always see it, God is at work. He's renewing the old man by conforming us into the image of his glorious son. 1 John 3 verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Therefore, the Lord is conforming us into his own image, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Jesus, in his great priestly prayer of John 17, in verses 20 through 23, Jesus prayed these words, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. And they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Having this healthy, heavenly perspective should cause us to put off the old life in order that we might put on the new life that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So as we close out, like a race car on race day, we are upon the raceway of life where the rubber meets the road. 
where practical sanctification takes place. Therefore, to ensure that this sanctification does take place in our lives, we must have a healthy, heavenly perspective, which causes us to seek those things which are above, to set our minds on the things above where our lives have been hidden in Christ. It also causes us to put to death or to mortify the fleshly appetites, remembering that we once walked in such things that are bringing God's wrath upon this unbelieving world. And finally, we're to put off the old life in order that we might put on the new that is found through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Father, thank you for your word that you have given to us today. We pray, Lord, that you would bless the teaching of your word to our souls. Lord, that we would live with this heavenly perspective in the midst of this fallen world, that others might see Christ and that you might be glorified through our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.